Welcome to Mind Frames, the sometimes half-assed but always wholehearted film conversation. I'm your host, Dave Canfield, and with me as always is... Michael Cockrell. Michael, what movie are we talking about today? Today we are talking about the movie Fremont. It is the new film from Babak Jalili. It is about the following. Danya works for a Chinese fortune cookie factory. Formerly a translator for the U.S. military, she struggles to put her life back in order. In a moment of sudden revelation, she decides to send out a special message in a cookie. This is a music box film. It is available. You can watch it in Chicago at the Music Box. And it's also playing in Niles and select independent theaters around the country. So, um, Dave, yes. what's your familiarity with Babak Jalili's work? You know, I've never seen a film by Babak Jalili until this, but I've been aware of his films. Uh, he's an Iranian uh, filmmaker who's very much respected and has uh, has gotten, I think, better and better as he's gone. Um, always very interested in marginalized voices, always very interested in uh, the hopes and dreams of, of, of those people. And uh, I think, uh, I, I think Fremont in, it seems like almost like the prototypical Babak Jalili movie. I have also not seen any of his movies, but I am a little familiar with his work, and they often feature people from Iran or Afghanistan. I know that. Uh, Radio Dreams, I, I've heard about that. Um, but I've never seen any of his movies, and you're right. I think they're known for featuring people from those countries, stories from those countries, stories of people being displaced from those countries. And that is exactly uh, an element of the story we have here. Uh, in this cast, we have a very interesting cast here. We have people in their first acting gig and people who have been acting for a long, long time and have numerous acting awards. So the lead of our film is herself actually a refugee from Afghanistan, like the same character. And in fact, she has not been in the U.S. that long, two or three years, uh, a little longer than Danya, her character has been, her name is Anita Walizada, and she was a journalist in Afghanistan. We had the pleasure of seeing her at the music box and uh, an early screening of this film. And she, for being a person who's a first-time actress, first-time actor, um, is a person who can hold the camera, hold the scene, can is comfortable being the emotional center of that. And I know she's a journalist in Afghanistan. We were trying to remember, Dave. To me, I had a fever dream where she said she had a car show. Now, I haven't been able to confirm that, but I thought for sure she said that she hosted a show about cars, Well, but I haven't been able to independently confirm that. Is, wasn't it shocking? This is her first time acting, and she's acting against some pretty heavy-hitting talent. Well, when you see her, it's not surprising to me um, that you would think that, even, even if it weren't the case, we could always look it up later, um, because no matter what kind of journalism or whatever she was going... The person that we met on that stage was smiling and alive and nervous and excited to be talking about her movie and eloquent, um, even though she didn't speak perfect English, as she talked about her her hopes that this would bring attention to uh, uh, the plight of, of women in Afghanistan under the Taliban. And um, Danya is a character who is photographed in black and white 
She wears mostly kind of drab clothing throughout the first part of the film. Um, isn't really putting herself out into the world yet. She's sort of trying to, but she lives in this hotel with uh, a, a group of uh, Afghanistan refugees and then works in this fortune cookie, which is kind of a dismal environment, this fortune cookie factory. And um, yet you always see her wheels turning. You always see the hopes and dreams and, and uh, frustrations uh, that are going on behind her eyes. She had a lot on her plate as an actress. And I think, yeah, she pretty much knocked it out of the park. Danya is a, is a, is a great character. And, and it's a character that even though she doesn't have a lot of dialogue, you see her grow and you, you understand the ways in which she's growing just by, just by watching the performance. So there are a couple times in the movie where um, Anita Wally Zada has to hold her own in a scene with two pretty uh, established, um, you know, they're not exactly in the same place in their careers in terms of being hundred uh, percent well-known, but two established veterans uh, the first being Jeremy Allen White of Shameless, of The Bear, of fame, very hot right now. Very hot, apparently, to women, too, because he has fans that follow him around and scream his name, like uh, 1955 Elvis. Um, but, uh, you know, he has her and um, her and Jeremy, they had some one-on-one -on -one scenes that are pretty intense and awkward and quiet, and a lot had to be said through silence um and uh, i think it's a it's a commitment to both of them that those scenes came off and you could understand what was happening in the silences there um and the second person i was talking about you you probably know who the second veteran i was referring to dave well, i'll let you would, take that one that would be greg turkington greg turkington's a longtime friend and a, a, a collaborator with tim heidecker if you remember the tim and eric show and um, he's also famous for creating a character named Neil Hamburger, who was a stand-up comedian that had his um, a bald spot and hair just sort of just literally like pompated, flat, slick, nasty, greasy under the top of his head. He would wear outdated tuxedos and tell horrible, 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 sometimes really offensive jokes uh, as he would just sweat and sweat and sweat up on stage and um it was a it was a character it was a character that he made up it was actually immortalized in a movie called um the the entertainer or entertainer or entertainment actually is what i think it's called and um you should seek that out if you can but it's really just one of many many things he's done he's been an ant-man and a whole bunch of other stuff done a lot of tv work and i was really shocked to see him turn up here because Maybe it's a sign that uh, people are going to start to notice him even more. I think he's a really talented guy. And he has even more screen time with Danya. He, he has even m m more as the psychiatrist uh, that she's come to. Uh, you know, the, he has these long monologues uh, that really should have just completely taken over the scenes that they were in. But she held her own. and there's like a relationship between the two that I think becomes the focus uh, of those scenes um, where there's exchanges going on about dignity and humanity and um, sort of the absurdity of the situation that Danya is, is in as she tries to confront this completely 
whacked out American culture. Um, there's one other character that kind of represents that too. Um, and that would be uh, the, 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 the friend Joanna played by Hilda Schmeling. What, what do you think of that? Her co-worker in a factory. I, I, I thought she was very interesting. Um, I felt her acting in many of the scenes. Not in a positive way. I mean, I, you know, I don't want to like be her acting coach here, but I, I could feel her in the character, which is not necessarily what you want to feel. Uh, a, a lot of her scenes, especially the ones in the in the uh, the fortune cookie factory, there was I was taken a little out of the moment by the delivery. Um, but other scenes, I think she did a great job. Scene in the apartment. Great job. I think for the character, it was good casting, look, feel, embodies, I think, the things that that character was intended to represent. But maybe it was direction, but I could I could feel the acting uh, in a few of those fortune cookie scenes. Like, you know, look over your shoulder. So when are you going to get a boyfriend? You know, that that kind of thing. Yeah, and, um, I hear you. I, 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 hate, I hate, kind of hate that you asked me because I, I would have, I, I should have punted on this. Oh, but, um. You're not being overly. You're not being overly, overly mean. I did think she had that one really nice, nice moment when she does the karaoke, and mm-hmm. um, that again, it's just, it's it's one of those scenes where here are these two people, and you would think that on the surface they wouldn't have a whole lot in common, but a really meaningful exchange is going on between them that that involves the situation that they're in, their and again their hopes, their dreams where they'd like to wind up. You know, there's two other characters, the um, people who own the fortune cookie company. Mm-hmm. And I think even the fortune cookie company is almost a character in this film. Um, the guy who runs the fortune cookie company got it from his dad, I think, and fancies himself sort of the king of philosophy about fortune cookies. And he has these long, you know, the uh, when Donya is taken from one part of the factory and given the sacred task of writing the fortune cookies because this other character uh, is no longer able to do it. She um, has to listen to him talk at length about writing fortune cookies as if, uh, I don't know, as if she were writing, um, you know, you know, theological devotions or something. And, um, and then there's, you know, his wife who does not like that. He's, um, got this younger this younger girl around was kind of like the the vibe I got even though we kind of get the vibe that he's not a creep or anything he's just uh uh he he's just um I don't know what what did you think of that relationship with the ruby mike let's talk about it more in the spoiler section that sounds good all right sounds good but many of these people have not been in in hardly any movies um so we were talking about um Hilda Schmeling, who yeah. was the, who played the uh, Joanna, the friend, the American friend, and you know if you look at her IMDb, she's directed a short, she's been in props, she's been in scene decoration, so that I'm sure she's taken acting classes, but um, the people who play the restaurant, the fortune cookie owners, they are seem to be not professional actors either. Um, so yeah, it's got a lot of non-professional actors here mixed with really, really established actors. 
or people with long resumes. Uh, so very interesting um, combination. Okay. We're going to get to reviews now? Sure. Why don't you take it first, Dave? Uh, I am going to give this uh, three and a half out of five fortune cookies. Uh, this is a really charming movie. It's a very funny movie. And it's a movie that takes all of its characters pretty seriously. And it reminds me a lot of a movie that I saw earlier this year called Past Lives, where we're just present with a person trying to work through a relatively simple um, conflict. Sounds like a relatively simple conflict, but in reality for them is a very, very complex one. And um, it is the kind of movie that's going to come and it, and it might just, just disappear. And that's too bad. Uh, it's beautifully shot and uh, it has the courage of its convictions. This is not a movie with a lot of dialogue. Instead, we are watching. And uh, that is what movies I think do best. And in that sense, this is a really, really good movie. I like this movie a lot too. Um, somewhere maybe in the three star, four star range. You know, I'm kind of kind of getting out of that business, but I, I guess we got to keep it, it'll keep the kids interested if we give star ratings. I guess. Um, so I think Anita Wally Zada. There are two elements of this film that I really really liked. Well, multiple elements, but let's start with the portrayal of loneliness. Um, you know, you have like I mentioned that she looks at the camera a lot. She is centered in the camera close-up shots or, or mid-close shots, um, you're often only looking at Danya and her being alone. And you get that feeling, and it's amplified by maybe it being in black and white and it being kind of a, a little bit of an urban landscape, you know, in terms of her the, the apartment complex where she lives. So you really feel the loneliness in the film. And I think that that's a testament to both... Uh, Anita Wally Zada and, and Baba Jalili's work. Um, I, I and the second element that I thought really is is good is it's it's funny. It is a very funny movie. If for a movie that only has about twenty people and maybe forty lines <laughs> or maybe a hundred lines, um, it is very funny. This the 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 setting of the of the um, fortune cookie shop, the kind of uh, archetypal funny people who would kind of represent different aspects of American culture, like Joanna and the cookie, the cookie people, the people who work at the fortune cookie, um, the way it portrays the United States from kind of like an outsider's perspective, but also just the absurdity of like the uh, psychiatry system that she's involved in, the absurdity of the entire situation, the kind of lonely absurdity to it. So I thought it was incredibly funny. Um, poignant as well you know yeah without saying a lot so i think it's a funny movie that has a very small personal drama that leaves a lot unsaid um that is a story of the resilience of a person who's gone against a lot which is going to be our theme by the way and um, you know i love immigrant dramas to begin with dave so i i can't help but uh, recommend people go and see it So with that, Dave, I propose we move into our discussion of a thematic element of this film, which is Danya as a 
resilient woman character. Strong yeah. female resilient lead. Shall we do it? Let's do it. Now everybody needs to know this you All right, I cut you off. Everybody needs to know what? That this is the spoiler section. Can this even be spoiled? I guess a little bit. Um, That's a really good question. Can you spoil it can this be. movie? Hmm. We will spoil it, and it can be. <laughs> We're going to do our darndest. So we had the we had the privilege of um, seeing Anita Wally, uh, Danya, who's played by Anita Wally Zada, the actress who plays Danya, in person at a screening of this film at the Music Box. Who is the distributor of this film? Actually, that's not technically correct. The sister company of the Music Box Theater is a distributor of Music Box films of this film. And um, and that's why you can see it at local independent movie theaters, perhaps more later. Um, and one of the things that, you know, there was an interview, and the interview kind of was ending on a uh, sour note, to quote the interview person. Uh, and I don't think that that was sitting well with um, Anita, and she decided to end it on a different note to to bring up the women Af- of, of of Afghanistan and say that you know they need our support. They are under the Taliban. She related her only three or four days of living under the Taliban. How rough it was as a woman for her, and can only imagine what it's like for the people still there. So. The reason I think that it's important to to rehash that that event is that it plays very directly into this movie. So this is a movie about an Afghan woman, and she's not suffering under the Taliban, but she's suffering from a variety of things, some of which come from the war. Um, and I think that one way you can support Afghan women, a less direct way, is to acknowledge their resiliency, their struggles, and how strong of a people they are, the Afghan people in general, but Afghan women in general. And so I think Afghan women specifically. So I think it is worthwhile to, as um, our director has done, highlight the resiliency of this type of character. So we have a strong female immigrant lead here. Let's talk about that strength, about that resiliency. Well, let me... Anything to add there, Dave? Yeah, I mean, I think when we meet when we meet Danya at the beginning of the film, she's working in this fortune cookie factory, and uh, she appears to be younger than uh, her colleagues, uh, her other coworkers. Um, they are pretty jaded, and the factory itself is, you know, when you think of mass-produced food, you always think of the grease that's visible on the outside of the machines, but somehow they manage to produce clean food that's fit for human consumption. Um, of course, you know, this isn't really food, is it? They're just they're fortune cookies. And there's a very rote method by which they are made and, the, you know, everything. That, at the at the end of the day, is um, kind of makes the fortune cookie, I think, a pretty decent symbol of where she feels she's wound up, um, of the inner, of her own inner life which is just um, a little dingy and, uh, uh, and, and in, need of, um, in need of something else uh, to lift it above just the mundane. And uh, it's, 
it's 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 really interesting to start that out because that's a funny idea number one the idea of a fortune cookie uh uh factory um we never, you know, do you think about fortune cookies being made and who makes them and who packages them? Probably not. But uh, that's, uh, th this movie kind of brings that to life in a very, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Joe versus the volcano, but it's kind of like that. You know, just a droney kind of job that you have to show up and do because you got to pay your rent. And, uh, and that's where we meet uh, Donya. Yeah, and you know, She's had, she's got a lot of struggles and problems. And you, you said that, what was it you said in the introduction that she slowly comes out of her shell throughout the movie? I feel like she's pretty bold at the start of the movie too. Yeah. Um, and I will agree that it's a drab setting, but if I talked about the loneliness when I did my little review and I think that is like the sexy, you know, you would expect the, um, the retelling of the events of, of her life in Afghanistan, in Afghanistan um, to be the primary thing that she's struggling with. Right. But one of the genius things about this movie, and I think true to kind of like the refugee immigrant experience is that is not shown. And that is not really talked about. People want to talk about that with her, but the, the refugees themselves don't really want to talk about that. They are living now. They are living in the here. And um, trying to survive, trying to survive. And, you know, it, this is like the quintessential working class factory job. If you've ever had a, a job in a factory, I don't I don't know if you have, Dave, but for those who have. It doesn't matter if you're packing up fortune cookies or you're putting screws yeah. in a, a box. Um, I worked at or, a company that made uh, salesman samples for siding. <laughs> so we would have to cut the siding up. Are you telling me that the samples are not made at the same factory as the siding itself? Are, My mind is no blown. elves in sight in our factory. It was all 100% very depressed people <laughs> showing up and uh, dealing with all this uh, stuff to just make these stupid suitcases. And you would never imagine in a hundred years why so many people would need these salesman sample suitcases of, of uh, of of, uh, of of siding for houses, but I have yeah. I, I have ideas, but I don't want to derail our discussion of the film. <laughs> and the, anyway. my idea is door to door salesmen. That's what they're for, right? Probably anyway. not doing that anymore. No. Um, so you know, Danya is struggling with loneliness. We know that there is that unspoken trauma from Afghanistan. She can't sleep, and she goes to uh, the psychiatrist, um, and. It's not an entirely welcoming environment, but she's struggling. She's making it. And um, you see her kind of relating a little bit to her fellow Afghanis, um, Afghans at, at their retire at their uh, apartment complex, almost at retirement home. Um, so we see her really struggling and we see her going to work every day, working that dingy job, not able to get an appointment, not able to uh, sleep. We suspect that she may have some trauma that she's not talking about, but we really don't get an answer to that too much. Um, she only and gets into the psychiatrist office because her friend who should be going, her Af Af Afghan friend who should be going, 
just blows off his appointment and gives it to her. And then she has to talk her way into being able to stay and get an appointment, even though technically it's not her name on the ticket. So there's that boldness that you were talking about earlier. Correct. Um, let's, let's, while we're talking about that struggle, she's a little different from the other Afghanis. I want to highlight that she is living with and commingling with the other Afghans. And with the exception of the person who runs the restaurant where she eats, she's kind of not on the same wavelength as them. She wants to do something more. She wants to get out of there. We're talking about her resiliency um, as kind of like our quintessential strong woman, strong Afghan woman. Um, And, you know, since you brought up the psychiatrist, I think that America is not always an easy place to live in, especially if you are not from America and you don't understand the system. And I think the psychiatrist is the first version of that. And I think the psychiatrist, Dave, is standing in for the immigration system, the welfare system, the entire system of support that's supposed to be there for people in need, such as refugees from war. Um, And the you know, the bureaucratic red tape and the lack of any sense to the system is very well reflected in the fact that she cannot, there is an appointment available. She has the card for the appointment, but they do not want to get it, let her in. And she she complains and sneaks her way in and gets to the psychiatrist who is 135% incompetent and uncaring and in his own world, um, which is a critique of perhaps American culture a little bit and the American immigration and welfare system. And she sits at the desk and she says, of course, the line that uh, we all have to say sometimes, and that is, I'm here now and I'm not leaving. Um, So as a refugee, sometimes as a refugee or an immigrant, you sometimes have to say that line and you have to mean it. If you've ever had to go to the DMV, you will immediately fall in love with Donia at that moment. So, yeah, so one of the struggles is she wants sleeping pills. She can't sleep. Maybe it's because it's the trauma. You know, maybe we don't know, but maybe it's because she just wants sleeping pills. But it doesn't matter. This psychiatrist is completely self-obsessed and is going to put her through the rigmarole no matter what. And it is for comedic value. Um, And I think it's like this very interesting portrayal. It's one of the many, you know, portrayals of American culture from a like a refugee immigrant lens that we get here that is is really truly great um and you know we talked a little bit dave about the book white fang and so i've already said to me the psychiatrist is completely incompetent worthless only only a stumbling block and hardly helpful his intentions are good don't get me wrong his intentions are good but he does not have the tools to help danya well, and that's why at one point he pulls out the book White Fang, thinking that's going to be kind of a good metaphor for her to base her journey on. That she needs to um, that she needs to understand that even though she's lost her previous world, that she's can now she's part of this other world and she has to venture out into it. And it's funny because in a way that is true. This is exactly what. Donya needs to do um, probably more even than she needs sleeping pills um, um, or to just sort of, you know, you know, you kind of get a sense of somebody who's kind of emotionally shut down and needs to wake up with her a little bit. And I think that in, in to that degree, 
Um, yeah, sure, that's true. But, you know, number one, as you pointed out, what dogs are a highly offensive. Uh, 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 they're just not considered to be clean animals. Yeah, in, 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 in Afghan culture. So they're so, not like offensive. And, and, you know, you see like similarities between white fang or some semblance of similarities between white fang and uh, Danya. To me, I see that as white fang as the symbol of the complete ineptitude and lack of understanding on the part of the psychiatrists and perhaps the American institutions that are welcoming Danya. And like, I, I don't see any commonalities at all between them. I mean, only on the most basic level. And that's and the only level that I, that's the only level that I, I, I and, see them at. And like I said, I Dave, when we talked, you I, could pull out any other book. You would could. Be better. But what I would say is that even though it's only on the most basic level, that means it's still there and it's still relevant. In other words, um, there's there's something to be said for how truth, goodness, mercy come into our lives. However frayed the packaging, however much we don't like the color uh, or the or the or the wrapping um, or the fit. It it is still something that's intended for the good. And I think in this case, I'm talking about something like you're talking about, like cosmic. Like there's just a sense that we know that Danya has to go on a journey. We know she has to get out into the world, and we know that she has to accept that and begin to see that as an adventure. And uh, and I think she does that. I think I think we're going to talk, you know, now about the about how that happens, really. And I, I and I will just reiterate: I don't think we're on the same White Fang page. I see White Fang as the most irrelevant book in the world, and you, uh, you need to have the last word in that just because you. Do. No, no, and, 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 but, I, but I think that, but I still like it. I, I, and the reason I like it is because um, the psychiatrist has good intentions with White Fang. But his good intentions come through the form of like not knowing what to do. And a form of that is that book, White Fang. And it's funny. I think that is one of the funniest movies of the of the uh, moments, of the, film moments of the movie. Yeah. I because agree. it is so fucking irrelevant. That's the point. There is no relevance whatsoever. But even in that moment, she lies. And I could be wrong here. And she actually does feel a connection with the book. But my interpretation of the events is she lies to him. And says that she feels like White Fang because she lost her mother too. And maybe she really does feel that way. Maybe she doesn't. To me, that's her giving back to the psychiatrist because she is reciprocating that earnestness that he has, even though he's not being that helpful. I think it would be interesting. I mean, here we are, right? Both of us are white men, you know, white middle-aged men. And, you know, we're reading this situation that is most decidedly not from a white middle-aged um, perspective. It's, we're meant to see this through Danya's eyes. Um, I do think that Danya is a character on the cusp and she is a character that has been thrust out. Um, the relevance of White Fang to that, like you said, it's mostly comedic, but her ability to bring that up and um, um, state it back 
to the psychiatrist, who at this point, by the way, in the movie, is completely lost in his own. He's he's crying. He's blowing his nose because he thinks he's, you know, he's re basically reliving his own relationship with his mother at this point in the scene. And it's very, very funny because he is oblivious. He has traded roles with her. She is now the therapist. He is now the 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 patient. Um, but just the fact that she can do that tells me that there are things going on that as ridiculous and absurd as they are, they are part of leading her to where she needs to be. Keep going. Keep trying to change my mind. Well, no. I think that's no, 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 no. I think that's, I think that's the thing. Both are true. I, I, I agree with you. I don't think that it's, it's from the psychiatrist's point of view, he is incompetent. He does not know what he's doing. Yes, he has good intentions. No, he should not have used White Fang. But, you know, like if you remember the end of Little Miss Sunshine, when um, the little girl gets up and dances to Super Freak, uh, which is, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a dirty song, you know? It's not a song a little kid should be up on a stage dancing uh, at a beauty pageant too. But at that moment, it's a, it's a celebratory thing for that family. And um, it's redeemed. And I think that there's... That's the sort of thing. Yeah, the movie does play with absurdism, but there's a re something redemptive going on that the absurdism ends up being in service to. And that's and that's Donya. Donya is being is being redeemed from from her, you know, where she's been. So there's a couple other Americans, and since we're kind of interested in how Americans are portrayed through a uh, refugee immigrant lens here, I don't know if we're interested in that, but we're going to talk about it. <laughs> and I think that two characters that are really, really interesting, um, and, you know, there's a side of America I'm sure all of our listeners are familiar with, and that is that there's a capitalism in the United States that is a kind of unrivaled in many, many ways. And it's a thing that is like, you know, both a lover and a hater, you know, it can bring great wealth and it's can be a little scary and it also can be horrible. And I think the fortune cookie owners are the owners of the fortune cookie factory are representative in a comedic way. Um, they're not like total allegories here, but they're representative of, kind of that feeling of, I don't know how I feel about this relationship to my job. And you've got the male owner on one side who is nice, but a little creepy and abusive. He's borderline abusive, but he's kind of a little self-aware of it. Um, and then you have the wife who is much more direct and clear about, you know, you know, she's not going to uh, come on to you, but she's also horrible. And, uh, you know, mercurial, perhaps. And they run the factory together and they have different ways of um, uh, of strategizing. It's like, you know, you get a job and sometimes there's a ping pong table and sometimes you're getting laid off. <laughs> sometimes there is, a, you know, a nice insurance package and you can go to the doctor. And uh, sometimes um, you're working 40 hours a week and you're only getting paid for 25. So it's kind of like that both hot and cold feeling of like just how much it can suck and how confusing it can be to have a job in America 
especially a working class job where you are really at the, you know, you, you, you are kind of a little bit at the whim of your employer in terms of your rights. If you're not in a union, if you don't have a skill, you know, they kind of, they have a little bit of power over you. They can fire you. Now, Don, you could go and get another job at another factory, but it's not the same as being, you know, a highly skilled worker or someone who's in a union that has protections for them. Like if you worked at UPS, now, uh, how how do you think that how, how do you think that the um, I'm not disagreeing with you, but I'm wondering, can you give an example of how you think that the factory owner, the male factory owner was abusive? Let's talk about that. So the original fortune cookie writer dies, right? Comically, uh, comedically fl- drops dead it's and she gets a promotion, right? And it's an example of how it's like, well, you're getting a better job, a job where you can kind of express yourself and, you know, it wasn't one you wanted. Um, and he's holding it up as like, oh, this is this great honor to be able to do this. And well, we, we have the whole scene of where he's trying to massage her head, right? And being friendly and intimate in yes, a way that is... One of those little octopus metal wire head massagers. And, and he, he ever so lightly suggests that he would like to do it to her. And he even admits that that would not be appropriate, but uh, it's kind of appropriate just to suggest it. So yeah, he, inappropriate to suggest. In, yeah. Inappropriate. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's not that he's outright abusive. Neither is his wife, who also runs a factory in the strictest sense. It's that he's a little bit creepy. And you yourself said that earlier, Dave. Yeah. Um, but he's also kind of trying to build her up. Uh, and, and one of the one of the things I love about the fortune cookie owner, and we talked about a little bit, is he's so full of himself, yet he is also incompetent, right? Yes. So he 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 thinks that he is like a genius, and that there's magic in fortune cookies, when we've already been told that he just inherited the factory. There's nothing special about him at all. He doesn't know anything about fortune cookies. We assume he knows how to run the factory, but it's all inherited. Um, so, and that's kind of American capitalism, like self-help, Absolutely. you know, people who already know how to run a business, read a book about running a business. And they say the book told them how to run the business, uh, or like, oh, I, I, I'm not going to pick on any, uh, um, I'm not going to pick on people here, but you know, people who get a leg up and then they hold their leg up over people's who didn't have that leg up. Um, but they're friendly about it. Whereas the wife is just the cold calculated side of uh the capitalist system of having a job it's like if it you know we'll provide you with a coffee machine that you have to pay for if it's broke you pay more it's like you know i'm getting mine and later in the movie we will talk about how she takes it to another level but she detects that i think the wife detects that latent uh attraction to the young girl to danya and uh it's never acted upon but she knows it's there and that's part of the reason why she like dislikes Danya so much but another reason is she's very intolerant of anyone not doing their job which there's an example of Danya doing yeah it's really odd because of course we talk a lot in America right now about um or have been for uh you know about quiet quitting and you know only doing as much as you absolutely have to and this job is a perfect example of a job that you would quite quit. You would you would just show up, do the bare minimum, and collect your check and leave. Because after a while, it's just soul 
sucking and to have this man standing over you uh talking to you about the you know the mystical qualities of writing a perfect fortune for a fortune cookie you know in a in 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 another movie this would be the story of a magic fortune fortune cookie that um you know changes her life and that she was lucky to run into this wise mentor but he's not a wise mentor he's just a doofus who inherited a factory and is a middle-aged man and you know and and his wife is you know they really are prototypical of what workers have to endure uh in a lot of these kinds of jobs certainly not in in, in, in all of them hopefully hopefully our listeners aren't having to work in places like that but you got it with the drab setting. It sucks, but it could be worse. You know, you're not uh, your your hands aren't getting um, sores on them from the fortune cookies. You're getting free fortune cookies once in a while. It sucks, but it could be worse. Fitting with kind of like the loneliness and the isolation of of Danya. You know, we're we're really t- going long here, but there's one aspect, one portrayal of American culture that I absolutely love in this film, and um, that's uh, Joanne. Joanna. The yeah. friend, her coworker friend, who is kind of like the quintessential born in America American. You know, uh, we talked about, I thought she was very appropriately cast. Uh, she has piercings. She is kind of a free spirit. She sings. She's expressive. She is active dating. She's very social and outgoing. All of the things that Americans are. <laughs> They're, you know, uh, all of the things that. American culture values. Um, and she also kind of just doesn't care about where she's going. Uh, she kind of has a beat up car. So she's kind of a working class American, white American woman who's, you know, probably got a Chinese tattoo and uh, a bunch of stories to tell and drinks cheap beer, which you'll notice uh, she hands a beer, unthinkingly hands a beer to uh, Danya, who sets it aside. Um, great moment. Uh, so Donnie is not completely giving up her her what she knows either. She's not completely conforming, but she is interested in making connections. And I think jo- Joanne Joanna is the is is a great representation of that that type of America, that side of American culture. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, and and in a way, um, well, we don't have to go on and on. We get a lot of ground to cover here, but we haven't talked about the most important thing. No, And we've talked about struggles, but this is not a movie about struggles. This is a movie about resilience. And we've we've talked about, boy, we've had a long list of struggles, some interesting things. And, you know, Joanna's not necessarily a struggle, but adapting to that culture, not knowing what to do with that beer. Do I drink the beer, which is something that um, perhaps I was taught not to do as a child, or it's a strange cultural thing to have alcohol? just sets it aside. You know, these are like little decisions that kind of wear you down over time, going to the immigrant, I mean, sorry, the psychiatrist's office where they don't uh, really care about you or they're more interested in reading White Fang because they like White Fang and maybe they care about you. So all these drab, boring scenarios are coming, but she's not letting her beat her, beat it, beat her down. Her memories of the war in Afghanistan, which we don't know that much about, and her drab and boring life in um, San Francisco area. And, and this is like the story of someone who's more, who's resilient, more resilient than the other Afghans. You know, she comes out of that apartment and the other Afghans are just kind of hanging around Fremont, right? The name of the movie is Fremont. 
but it doesn't take place that much in Fremont. She is trying to get out of that. Fremont is kind of an extension of Afghanistan, right? And well, the, the yeah. same conflicts that went on in Afghanistan, understanding that Suleiman character, are going on in that apartment complex in Fremont. Well, you know what it is? It's like all of these people who've come from Afghanistan, they end up in America. These people that, that she's with in this apartment complex. And that old line from uh, Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai, remember, wherever you go, there you are. And there they are. And there's a woman who's trapped in a marriage with a man who seems pretty harsh and uncaring. Um, with a couple of kids in tow and probably is absolutely stuck in that situation. Um, there's another guy who's just sort of blown off his psych appointments and doesn't really have, you don't have any sense of forward momentum at all in his life. Um, and so Danya has to make, that's a very active decision she has to make to not, give into that sort of malaise. I mean, she goes to work, um, that wonderful moment when she does give the grace to the psychiatrist, um, and sort of speak back to him, what he's been saying to her, uh, about white Fang. Um, and ultimately, you know, we, we get to the point where she decides as she's writing fortune cookies to write a special fortune cookie, which is essentially her name and her number. And she just puts it in the cookie, and that's like her bread on the water. She just throws it out there. And something very interesting happens to that cookie. And again, in another movie, what would happen, of course, is it would wind up in the hand of the prince somehow, and he would come and sweep her off her feet, and all her problems would be solved. This is not that kind of movie. Uh, and, and that's another reason that we love it so much. Um, but again, that's an act, that's an act of resilience. It is, and there are you know, that is a big a big hopeful act of resilience. In fact, it's like the the crux of the movie. Um, so let's let's take it apart a little bit more. Um, so we saw we talked about how Danya is taking risks, going to join his apartment. Um, she, I think, one of the important things that sets her apart from the other Afghani's as she's moving towards that really really big risk, which is the fortune cookie one of the things we see her going to San Francisco, she says, I want to see different people. I want to see Chinese people. It's a joke, but really she wants to get out of Fremont, which is like I said, kind of an extension of the past. Um, and she's looking for something. She's so hopeful. And ultimately she writes the fortune cookie, like you said, Dave. Um, and it's a symbol of ultimate hope, just putting yourself out there without and maybe she's getting you know some influence from joanna here but it's the ultimate throwing yourself out there and she does get a response yeah from a man her, named deer right but she gets that response why what happens to the fortune cookie the the fortune cookie winds up in the hands of her employer's wife at a party mm -hmm. and immediately knows who this is from and so she sets Danya up. She uses the fortune cookie to try to do dirt to Danya. And uh, it's almost like an, an anti-magic fortune cookie at that point, right? Because it's going to 
uh, she's thinking. So do, you, do you know what her plan was, Dave? Do you understand what her plan was with the with the text? Um, yes. Um, the wife, uh, the employer's wife, basically is trying to get out of paying delivery charges uh, on an item that she's got off uh, off in the boonies somewhere, and um, she sets it up so that Danya, um, uh, you know gets a call from from that place because uh, 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 they have the item, but Danya thinks she's going on a date. So she's kind of having her cake and eating it too at that moment. She's sticking it to Danya, but she's also, she's also being cheap. Yeah, so... Uh, it's a beautiful... Danya a, thinks she's going on a date. This, Danya practices going on a get date practices what it's like to be on a date. She wants connection. She's extremely lonely and she does not know. And we don't really know either. We're given hints that the text, the deer doesn't call her Dave. The deer can't talk. No one calls her, but they, she gets a text saying, oh, this is deer. From the, okay. This is deer. Come meet me. Um, or we're something along, along there. And she's has all of this hope. She borrows the car and she drives and she listens to the strange, weird music, which is kind of another joke on expressiveness or weirdness of a, like American culture being all over the place. Uh, and she drives and finds out that the deer is just like you said, just an excuse to not pay to have the freaking thing shipped back. It's a joke on Danya, a cruel joke. And of course, the factory owner doesn't know that Danya had put so much hope, or maybe she does, into this encounter but um she makes it her own she goes back to see daniel who i haven't talked about yet but on the way there she has a kind of incomplete encounter with a car mechanic named daniel who helps change her oil well actually he just fills up the oil which is confusing to me i guess she must not have been a car journalist <laughs> anyway so he just fills up her oil um and talks which to her about a, the dipstick which is not a metaphor no, there is no sex in this movie at all. There no, there's is no, no sex, there's no sex. touching or kissing. No, they um, just have this. Their, their their encounter with one another is very awkward. She's yeah, awkward. She's they're awkward. both lonely, awkward people who probably have some baggage. Um, so she's on the way back with the deer. And to me, Dave, the deer is a symbol of abuse, of being taken advantage of, of cruelty. And so she's got this deer and the expectation is she just shuts up and brings the deer back as punishment for her being naughty at work. Um, but she doesn't do that, does she? No, and, she does and, not. and she she gives the deer to Daniel and we can assume that they make a connection, right? Um, well, we don't see her going back. I mean, I think that's one of the interesting things about the movie is. You know that in real life, she probably has to get back in the car at some point and and return the car right to where it's supposed to go and and all that. But uh, we don't see that. We see her waiting for Daniel. This isn't real life. This is the story of a woman, a powerful, strong, independent woman, exactly overcoming her workplace, overcoming war, overcoming the immigration system, overcoming the indifferent cruelty of other jealous people, and finding connection. With another lonely person. But see what uh, I can't, what I, what I can't get away from, what I cannot get away from is this is also a movie that's very rooted in absurdism, but it's not rooted in meaninglessness. 
um, you can have both of those things. You can have the sense that things don't mean anything and that they're absurd. And then all of a sudden, one day, dots connect. Um, or, you know, maybe there's meaning and you can't see it and you become aware of that fact. Um, I think that the deer is uh, is a lot like this weird, you know, generalized American dream of, of, of white fang. Um, and, and it is this idea of going out into the wilderness and finding yourself out free where you belong, hence the title Fremont. Um, and I think that you can equally read the film, um, either way and come out with a really rich understanding. You know, I think for, for, for people who have a problem with agency, you know, and who appreciate the struggle, the terror, the, the social anxiety that a character like Danya must feel, there is something wonderful about um, the irony that what was meant for her is actually a symbol of her, of her freedom. Was what was meant badly for her, actually, is turned into a symbol for her freedom. Because otherwise, why not just pitch it outside the door? But she doesn't. She gives it to Daniel. And I think that is, you know, why does she give it to Daniel? And and the importance of giving it to Daniel is, is kind of why I would take a different tone on the overall meaning of the film and the ending. Um, I, I don't really see it as absurdist or asserting that there's no meaning. I think it's very much finding meaning in other people. It's very much finding meaning in your circumstances. And Danya is, is looking for other people and looking for things and not giving like an absurdist ending would be throwing it out the window or, you know, like, no, I, I think that she lives in a world where things seem absurdist to her. They don't Hmm. seem to have meaning. And it isn't until later that the meaning emerges. I agree with you that it's very much a, a movie about meaning. But she can't make heads or tails out of a lot of what's going on around her. Um, and the funny thing is, again, you know, there's an absurdist kind of an idea that this grumpy Karen of a, of a business owner tries to chastise her, but only winds up helping her. So it's a little bit of a victory for her in that sense. All right. Well, if you would like to see Fremont, uh, you don't have to go to Fremont. It is playing in California at many independent theaters. But if you're living in Chicago, you can go to the Music Box Theater. It is playing this week and will be on the future. And I think it is up on their streaming service if you want to join their streaming service, Music Box Streaming or whatever. Um, You know, I don't think we've decided on what our next episode will be. yeah, we got a lot of options. We'll probably go back and do something from this year that we missed. It doesn't seem like there's a lot coming out that excites us. Um, I don't know, Dave, you got any ideas? Do you well, want to go back and do Past Lives? Oh, well, Past Lives is such a great movie. Yeah, we could do way worse than that. Uh, and I think we're going to be doing that for award season in any case. So it's just We a have to watch it. It's on my must watch for sure. Yeah. But I mean, I am going off to Fantastic Fest and... Uh, uh, I may come back with some, uh, with some ideas. There's, um, 
Scuttlebutt that uh, Richard Linklater's new movie, Hitman, may play there. And that is supposed to be really good. So we'll, uh, we'll have to see. But um, in any event, Mind Frames will go on. Yep. I mean, I don't know how I'd see it. I mean, what am I going to say? I could just make up things. You know, maybe that's what I do anyway. We should should just make up a movie, a fake movie. ChatGPT does it all the time. I know. We could definitely review a fake movie. I could definitely um, give you some. We could put throw together a quick fake movie. And we could have a raging argument, too. That would be the amazing thing. Just like really. I I feel like I've gone easy on you tonight, Dave. Uh, I really was your use of the term absurdist. I kind of wanted to tear in there. I started it. I did say some of the humor is a little absurd, but uh, you're not the only one. A lot of people have talked about this film in those terms. Yeah. To me, I think it is really realistic though. And I think they're like, the realism is the, is the hook. Like some of the humor is like absurd, like in a colloquial way, but you think those performances were realistic. Yeah. I thought, no, I thought that virtually everyone around her is a caricature they are kind of, you're right. And we did say that, but, but I think when I'm thinking of Danya and Joanne and uh, Daniel, that's who I thought of when you asked me. And I think those are naturalistic performances, maybe More to a lesser so, extent, yeah. Joanne, but I would, I would say that Joanne's a character, which she is, but I kind of known people like that, but, but Danya and, and Daniel, the two leads, those are naturalistic performances. Those are the ones I thought of, but you're right. We, we talked about how the others are kind of characters or stand-ins for, America and American cultures in some ways. Um, America. If you want to communicate with us, you can go to mindframesfilm.com. America. We are always on Mindframes Movies. That's our Facebook page. Of course, we got the pink logo everywhere you go. We are still proud to be a part of the Now Playing Network, even though they missed three episodes of ours and took it like two weeks to get it up. We we don't hold that against we don't hold that against them. We love you, Jim. Uh so Thank you. Glad to be up there. That's where we get a lot of our traffic. We appreciate it. Um, All right, Dave, just just do a little joke and then let's get out of here. Well, I know you like to close on a joke. You know, the 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 you know why chickens are funny, Mike? No, why? That wasn't actually a joke, people. Dave has had a minor stroke.